Like as an individual, when you're facing the pressures from your spouse, from your boss, from your parents, from your community, you can feel trapped as you, the individual. And the metaphor of you as someone else, as a character, as、uh, an archetype, as somebody who's not you, the alter ego, that wh- whatever it is, there's freedom in that because that person can be out of the box. I acted in movies, I wrote, I danced, I hosted, I did all sorts of stuff as an expression of who I am outside of the job where I felt trapped. And slowly, that outlet became my future. This is Impact, the podcast where we explore entrepreneurship, mindset, and health to provide you with the ingredients for an unregrettable version of your life story. I'm fascinated with talking to people about this idea of if you. If you weren't trying somewhere deep down inside you to please your parents or satisfy the norm of your neighborhood or community or even live up to the expectations you've set with your kids, if you had 5% more self esteem in a given moment, if you cared 10% less about what other people thought, what would you do? What would you do with your life? How would you show up? What would you wear? Like, what would be different about your existence? Someone asked me this question. I was at a retreat. It was like deep into the early mornings, like late into the night, deep into the mornings. And we started to unpack this question, and the answer was fascinating. Almost everybody in the room was going to be doing something different. Almost everybody in the room was like, I have this burning desire to do X, Y, or Z, but here are the reasons why I can't let it out. Today, we're talking. About how to let it out. We're talking about how to cultivate that inner creativity. We're talking about how to have the difficult conversations with those people around you so you can self actualize into the truest sense of yourself. I talk a lot about this concept of, of purpose and, and this notion that stage four of finding your purpose is this capacity to start to monetize on the thing you are most passionate about putting into the world. But to figure out how to do that, to find the right language, to get clear on who you have to be in order to share that passion and harness that passion and that commitment and that idea in such a way that it is accessible to other people. Well, that takes a process and that takes some training and that takes a framework. And my guest today has made it his life mission to help people unpack who they are. Find that inner creative genius and put it out into the world. Dr. Reef Kareem started his career as a double board certified psychiatrist. And now he describes himself as a mad genius. Now he works with individuals to help them find that inner deep state of creativity. He had his own journey where he was, he was a Bollywood actor on the side. He didn't tell his medical colleagues by day what he was doing by night and didn't tell his colleagues by night what he did by day. He had two versions of himself that he brought into the world. And our conversation today is the culmination of insight and lessons learned and frameworks forward so that we all have a path to lean into. Who we really are, so that we have an opportunity to start to unpack a roadmap and a place card and a way forward when it comes to that inner version of who we are, harnessing it into that outer passion and really having a capacity to not only leave the world a better place, but to have a heck of a lot of fun while we do it. It is Honestly, a pleasure. I'm so excited to bring you this conversation and introduce you to my friend. And how do you want me to introduce you? Dr. Reef Kareem, Reef Kareem. Do you have a Master, Zeus, Thor.、Um, I've got lots of names. No,、um, Reef Kareem is great. The Master of Madness is always good. Transformational scientist, creative artist, physician, any of those. I was kidding about Zeus. Okay. Are we ready? We're ready. 
Reef Kareem, welcome to the Impact Podcast. Thanks for having me. I like the name Impact. It kind of summarizes everything. Well, that was just it. I was like, what title can we come up with that is a summary for everything all at once without being without being too much? So I'm glad I'm glad you're kind of rolling with that. Yep, works for me. All right. I hesitated for a second because after 264 episodes of the Anthropology Podcast, it rolls off the it rolls off the tongue for me. But I am I'm so excited to have you here. We've got a lot to talk about. We're hanging outside the box, and honestly, there's very few people who I think of immediately when I want to have outside the box conversations. And you were one of them. And so, before we jump in on all of these details, I'm hoping you can share with my listeners. A little bit more about your background. What brought you to this place where I'm even qualifying you as an outside-the-box thinker and entrepreneur and mad genius and artist? Yes, qualifying. My qualifying statement. Okay, so to live out of the box, you have to know what's in the box. What? And you probably, at some point in your life have felt trapped inside the box before you can move to outside the box. So my background is uh, I'm a physician. On the day I was born, my dad made an announcement. He said, everyone gather around. I've decided he will be a doctor. And there were a lot of applause. And uh, it was a big moment. And my life was pretty much mapped out for me. And there were tons of pressures uh, to be something for someone else. And, you know, I, I think a lot of people suffer in this way that they are living for other people or they're succumbing to this, this epidemic of conformity where we feel trapped in doing something for someone else or to please someone else or what seems like the right thing to do. And then we end up in the box and we lose perspective and we lose vision and we lose creativity and we lose originality and we trade that in for safety, security and money, you know, financial success. But we deep down inside feel like something is missing and we don't feel inspired. And that absolutely happened to me. And it took a lot of courage and a lot of pain because i always feel like when when we make a transformation it's because we're either pulled by a vision or we're we're trying to get rid of our pain and uh you're either pushed or you're pulled and uh i was both and it just it inspired me to get out of that box and do something different and so here's what I'm really curious about. You had this father who is like, this is the path he's on. And I have this conversation with people a lot. I don't know. We tell our parents as teenagers that we don't want to be in their box anymore. And it's like socially acceptable that we just have our, we just tell them and we rebel and they're like, oh, it's their face. But where I have found a lot of individuals are challenged. And I'd, I'd love, you know, we're getting this dual perspective here because you also have background in psychiatry. Mm-hmm. How do we tell our parents? as adults, that we are no longer going to vacate in the box of expectations that we always have. Because I feel like sometimes we've arrived and now they've had their moment of being like, it worked out the way I wanted. Like, it almost feels like we've been in it so long sometimes that the letdown is even bigger. And this is a conversation I feel like I have more and more with adults. They're like, what's actually secretly holding me back? It's my 75-year-old parent that I still (laughs) don't want to let down. How do we have that conversation as adults, how did you have that conversation as an adult? Well, in theory, you would think, hey, I'm a 20-something, 30-something, 40-something, 50-something person. Thank you for covering all your bases. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I try to keep it mysterious. And that should be an easy conversation. Hey, mom. Hey, dad. Hey, uncle. Hey, family. Uh, this is what I'm doing. But it's not. It's not an easy conversation. And the reason is attachment. Our attachment history with our parents, you know, is deep. You don't want to let them down. You don't want to upset them. You know, for me, a lot of it was based on not just upsetting them, but like, like rocking their world such that they would have problems themselves. 
my concern was the anxiety and the stress and potential depression and potential like problems they were going to have in their life because they projected so much onto me and the crumbling of their identity as parents holding a, I guess, you know, in the Indian culture, like community, doctor, 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 their son not being a doctor or or being a doctor but not practicing the way they want uh, was such a jolt to them, I could tell that that's what really held me back. I, I think it started as disappointing, the expectations, but it quickly became, I don't want them to suffer the pain of a fractured identity that they would have as a result of me not being who they want me to be. And eventually, it came to the point where, so as a physician, I did, you know, I did pretty well. I, I, I started my own treatment center. I became an assistant professor at a really high-powered academic center. I published. On paper, I did everything you could do as a doctor, like that, I guess, deems success. Um, I felt like there was so much in the world that I could do that I wasn't doing. And I've always felt that the biggest pain we will ever feel more than a broken bone, more than a broken heart is, is the pain of not living up to our abilities. And that was the pain that I was feeling. And I eventually decided to take what was unconsciously there in my relationship with my mom and make it conscious. And so, I always felt like I, I couldn't talk to her about making changes in my life. And it sounds so crazy. It's not like we're 10, you know, we're adults. But I feel like lots of adults are breathing a bit of a sigh of relief at the reality of this conversation right now. Good. I mean, I, I, I hope if this conversation helps some people, I, I, I think that's wonderful because I wish I had this conversation when uh, or someone was talking about this when mm -hmm. I made the decision. I went to my mom's place and I never know what the conversation is. Like, you know, like typical parent conversations, there's certain things you can talk about and there's certain things you can't because you know it's going to run into some conflict somewhere. And there's like, I call them minefields, like these minefield conversations that you try to avoid. And so, we had this nice kind of superficial hangout with mom conversation. And then I said, you know, I, I got to go there. I know, you know it was the end, more or less the end. I was going to leave soon. And, and I'm like, I got, I, for me, for, for my future, I need to have this conversation. And so, I brought up something that I think was a, was a very big unconscious block in my relationship with my mom and my relationship with myself in, in opening up my abilities. And I talked to her and I pushed it. And I kept like, you know, she would avoid, she would deflect, she would do all that stuff. And, and eventually, you know, she said something to me and it was my biggest fear that unconscious, that, that unconscious thing that was sitting there, that was the elephant in the room that I didn't want to address, that she didn't want to address, but it was always there. And I believe very strongly in intuition and energy and, and how we know and have a lot more intelligence than we realize. We have this inner wisdom, we have this inner guide, this inner knowing, this calling that most people don't listen to. And it's there, but most people don't listen to it. And I finally, you know, confronted her enough to where she said what I was really worried about. She said, I don't accept you for who you are. Ouch. And that was a big, big statement. And it was what I knew deep down. I knew it was there. And I got in the car. She kicked me out. I got in the car. I, you know, I was teary eyed. And I felt this surge of emotion come out of me. And it was just, it was kind of like sadness, but it was almost like grieving the unconscious conflict. And I was, I was like, okay, that hurt and that didn't feel great, but it's true. And that's how she feels. And now what are you going to do with this information? Because you knew it was there, but now it's conscious. So, now what are you going to do with it? And we didn't talk for, I don't know, six months, nine months, something like that. And then during that time, 
I not only healed, but I started to grow, you know, this new life, this new business. In in the end, I felt like she released me of the expectations and of the pain. That was my part of it with parents. It was a lot more that I went through to to get out of what I was doing before in the box, to move out of the box. But that was that was the relationship that the, the biggest one was with my mom and that and that was the big relationship as you were telling that story i could feel this like swirl of mixed emotions like the end of the oscars 2020 swirl <laughs> of mixed emotions but uh-huh. I, I could feel your relief and your grief at the same time and i think these things coexist and the reason i feel like this is such an important uh, question and conversation is as a clinician I would speak to so many of my patients. And when we got there, when we got to like the real crux of it, like, why are you, why are you really so chronically unwell? It was, I hate my partner. I hate my job. I hate where my life is because I never had the courage to have the conversation with X, Y, or Z person around their expectations. And I think we, we, we often make ourselves so miserable and we often miss out. It sounds so cliche, this being true to ourselves because we're just, we're so scared of that conversation. And I think having permission and a framework to make that happen. Uh, is so critical for us. You can't live outside of the box unless you're willing to have courageous conversations. I think that it is part of the, it's the fee to entry, the world that exists outside of those lines. Oh, so now you've, now you've shared how you truly felt. You have started to heal who you are. And then mm-hmm. you went on to do some really, some really interesting stuff. You, you, you leveraged this medical background and suddenly you found yourself in the world of television. Share with us a little bit about how, how you got to that point, was that the ultimate calling for you or was a stepping stone in terms of where you wanted to go? Well, I was always, I've always been a performer. I've always been creative. No. I, my, my, yeah. <laughs> my, my parents were like, this kid's an alien. Like, what do we do with this kid? Like they had, you know, I come from a very scientific family and they, they were like, I don't know what to do with this kid. You know, we got this, this video camera, like the big ones, like back in the day. I put it up in the living room and I, I loved Saturday Night Live and I was doing SNL sketches in the living room as this, you know, little Indian boy. And I would do these accents and I would play these characters and my mom was folding laundry and she was just kind of like, like just doing her thing. And, and she was kind of looking at me as, uh, as she was doing it and she, she stopped and she's like, you know, you're not funny. There is nothing funny about you. The only thing that would be funny is if you didn't go to medical school. That would be hilarious. Hardy har 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 har. And then she walks out. And um <laughs> and, and and that was like th- that was par for the course. That was just like an everyday thing. It, it was let's shame the creativity out of him. Let's just shame it out of him. And eventually one day all that will be left is the doctor. And and that was kind of the the mentality, you know? And um and so, I, I always had creativity as an outlet, but it would never rise to the point of this is what I'm going to do with my life. So, on the side, I, you know, I've, I've, I've acted in a, a couple of Bollywood movies. I've acted in movies out here in LA. I, I was a consultant writer for a TV show. I've hosted a bunch on, on television, been guest experts. All of it's been on the side. All of it, like, it's just, I happen to live in LA. I happen to be pretty good at that kind of stuff. And so, opportunities just kind of presented. And it was always like a hobby. (laughs) That's what my parents like to call it. Like, it was always like a side, just a side project. And it was my creative outlet for, you know, the the difficulties that, that I was in inside the box, to go back to your metaphor. During the day, so to speak, I would explore who I am through character. And and I think I've always found this really interesting that I, I wanted to be an actor for a long time. And I believe that you know, actor writer and, and and I believe that was the case because and I didn't know it at the time, but I knew I learned about it later, that I felt trapped as who I was. Like as an individual, when when you're facing the pressures from your spouse, from your boss, from your parents, from your community, you can feel trapped as you, the individual. And the metaphor of you as someone else, as a character, as uh, an archetype, as somebody who's not you, the alter ego, that wh- whatever it is, there's freedom in that. Because that person can be out of the box. 
And I've done so much work in, in character training. Um, I developed a science called metaphoric characterization. And, and I, when I was at UCLA, we worked with psychiatric patients and taught them, you know, viola spol and improv techniques and taught them how to sing and dance and to do all sorts of stuff. And th- these are like inpatient psych unit people. And we would put on uh, a play like twice a year where they would perform in front of a lot of people. And I was both clinician and performer. And the cognitive flexibility that these people were, were gaining from just doing create, creative things. Like I, I always believe there's this, this collateral, I call it collateral neurocircuitry, where you might have neuron A and neuron B, and just to oversimplify it. And there's, there's a, a barrier between these two neurons. And they're supposed to communicate, but they don't. And in a cognitive, straight cognitive way, they don't. For whatever reason, it's a, tra- a trauma happened, um, an illness happened, a, a stressor is, is blocking it, and there's a blockade. Well, collateral means there is another dirt road, a side road, a side path that allows you to connect these two neurons. And it's not going to be through traditional measures, like, like typical cognitive measures. It'll be through creativity. It'll be through spirituality. It'll be through some other mechanism by which to develop more neuronal communication. And I saw that in these, in these clients. And in me, I felt like, man, I'm free as a character, but I'm not free as me. And so I started to do stand up as, as a character and also as an exaggerated version of myself. I, I acted in movies, I wrote, I danced, I, I hosted, I did all sorts of stuff as an expression of who I am outside of the job where I felt trapped. And slowly, that outlet became my future. It's not that I wanted to let go of the science. I, I, what I learned in, you know, I got double board certified and became an expert in self-sabotage addiction, as well as psychiatry, as well as personal development. What I learned at my treatment center and, and what I learned, you know, just in all of my training was so powerful. I just didn't like the application of it. I didn't like the practice of it between insurance and pharma and corporate influence and all that stuff. I wanted to do it, I wanted to utilize that content and that material and apply it and help people in a very different way. And I developed this new brand that connects neuroscience, creativity, spirituality, and psychology in in a way that can help people to get out of that box that they're stuck in, that I felt very stuck in. And it's like I, I built this program essentially for myself so that I could then share it with a lot of other people. So what is that program? And I will contextualize this to, you know, you came and you worked with um, some of my mastermind members and it was an amazing experience. And, and one of the things I said, I really want help with is to help people who I just, I want, I want people to step into their creative selves. I want them to feel courageous enough to move past beige. Mm-hmm. Cause it takes, it takes for a lot of us, it takes like every ounce of courage just to like, post something or to to go live and then we get this added pressure of being told but don't be boring when you do it like be engaging and then that just sends people down this this intellectual spiral because they don't know how to think themselves out of the problem and i said we like we need fix that reef how do we fix that and you're like (laughs) this is my this is my wheelhouse and so what 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 is it that you do now? What is this secret sauce? What is this mad genius, really, that you've, you've brought to life? This inner alchemy that you're able to trigger in people. Super genius. So that they can hang out as these intellectuals, as these doctors, and then tap in to this, this inner essence of who they are, who they are as a brand, who they are as a teacher, who they are as a messenger. Like that really, to me, was what you, you did with my audience and my mastermind, just so everyone has a a sense is, is predominantly uh, clinicians. And so they're, they're very intellectually dominant. And you were just so good at like tapping them into that, that creativity. What is this process that you've built? So the process is, is or should I say Canadian process? I love but, the way you talk. Can by you the way. try both and we'll see which one you know, works. Well, I'm, I'm in my house. <laughs> 
Oh, oh, Canada. Sound like that. Oh, Canada, our home and native land. True patriot. All our sons command with glory hearts. We see the sky. I, like I had to memorize the Canadian. What is it? Your your song, your national anthem. Yes, we call it a national anthem. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The song, you know that song. That song thing that you sing in Canada. Yep. No, I love Canada. Canada. Why did you have to memorize our national anthem? Because every Indian relative I ever had lived in Canada, and I've been to Toronto, Mississauga, Kitchener, Ottawa, um, Winnipeg. You just drop in the Canadian Vancouver, Calgary. I've been to the Stampede. Oh, I'm so I'm so like Canadian hip. I know exactly what's so. happening. So anyway, I work with creatives. I work with health rebels. I work with entrepreneurs, even professionals that want to reinvent themselves. It, it, you, you said something that's so important. It's, it all stems from courage. And I know because I went through it firsthand. That's the first thing. There's a, something I call the professional trap that happens. I'll speak to professionals first. When, when you, you get that degree, you get that license, you get that certification, and you're like, oh, I did it. This is amazing. I did it. Now I'm going to open up my practice or go join that firm or go do this or go do that. Uh, but what you don't realize is for most people, they traded in and made some sacrifices when they got that certification, when they got that license, when they got that degree. I don't mean you sacrificed your time. I don't mean you sacrificed your money. Which you I did. mean, <laughs> which you did, but, <laughs> but you sacrificed your originality and your creativity. Because most people to abide by a system needed to conform to that system. And it doesn't happen overnight. It, you're constantly massaged into conformity over and over and over and over again until finally you've just kind of your originality is hibernating. And creativity is often a threat to systems if you're not fully aware and nurturing your creative culture. And so creativity is kind of like, yeah, 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 that's not important right now. And yet creativity is what gives you vision. It what, it's what gives you perspective beyond where you are now. Creativity is what gives you your growth. It gives you a mental expansion. It helps you solve problems differently. It gets you out of the box. It's the most unappreciated and unrecognized source of energy we have. And, and our originality is how we connect deeply to ourselves as individuals. It's our soulful expression. It's our form of distinction. It, it's what makes us different than other people. So if you engage in some professional status as a clinician, as a doctor, as a lawyer, as an accountant, as whatever, whatever it is professionally, and you don't differentiate from other people and you don't grow through your creativity, to expand your vision to become a leader and pioneer in your industry, then you are going to feel like something is missing. You are going to feel uninspired. You are going to feel unrealized. And you may make a lot of money and you may have a lot of stability and you may have a lot of safety and you may feel like, you know, I should be really happy right now, but why am I not? <laughs> and this is the reason that you're, you're not inspired. And I felt like so many people that I talk to are, are suffering from this. And there's creatives, there's, there's corporate, there's um, entrepreneurs. And so, I was like, what is this internal energy that we have that for some people, it comes out as stress and chaos and conformity and this like angst. But for other people, it comes out as ingenuity, creativity, and originality. And to me, I, I've always connected to this word madness. And I had a long story about how this kind of originated and developed. But madness to me <laughs> is the source of energy within us. It's what powers our minds. It what, it's what energizes us. It is a word of duality. And in that, I mean that if you let your madness run your life externally, you're externally reactive to, you know, whatever's going on in the world, you have an energy consumption problem, then your energy will be wasted on the stress of the day, drama, news, chaos, 
ads, corporate influence, Twitter, (laughs) you know, FOMO, social media comparison, validation seeking, all that crap, all of it. That's where your energy is going to go. But if you can focus on energy redistribution and you can move that energy into your creativity, your originality, your ingenuity, and then you can power it with courage, now you got something. And so I developed this program. Uh, there's really two programs. There's Master the Madness, which is reinventing mental health from the standpoint of energy and creativity, and especially at this time in the state of the world. And then I developed a program called Mad Genius, and that's for optimizing your life. And uh, the three main tenets of that are creativity, originality, and courage. And how do you develop those? How do you grow those within you to develop a point of view and a what I believe statement? And when I say point of view, I didn't have a point of view. You know, on paper, I looked really successful, but I didn't have a point of view. And when I say point of view, I mean like connect your soul to your experiences in life to your knowledge, to a bunch of other things. And what, what view do you have? What belief system have you developed to guide you in your life, which makes you different than other people? And if you can share that and lead with that point of view, now you've differentiated yourself from other people, yet most people don't have a point of view. It's interesting. There's two things I was going to say. One, I think there's a cohort of people who believe they actually aren't creative. Mm -hmm. And I'm just going to say something on that point of view piece is that everything for me got clear in my life. Every decision, mostly decisions I made professionally, when I had that frame of reference of what I believed. And so my core belief is that when people have their health, they can change the world. And I started to see this in my practice. Like nothing else mattered. Their amount of money didn't matter. Their education didn't matter. If we could hand creative people back their health. One, they had this reawakening and this reworking of what their life meant. But two, it was the thing you needed to execute. And so it doesn't matter what other business endeavor or opportunity has come my way. It must align with that core belief. And it's honestly made everything else so simple. That is actually the through line through which I have created anything else in my career is satisfying that core belief. It might not be what you were referring to. So my first question is, is that what you mean? Absolutely. Once you have that clarity, like you've got that clarity, you can build off it, it can evolve, you can be creative, but it is like it is a rock solid foundation. That was yeah, absolutely. I mean, that that point of view, and literally in the program, we go through how do you build your point of view? How do you build this belief system and this belief statement? It's the foundation for everything. And and if you don't, if you don't have it, and and I'll tell whoever's listening to this, like. I would say, I, I don't have exact statistics, but, but I could just based on just talking to people, I, I would say at least 80% of the people that I've talked to do not have this and don't have a core foundation of what they believe in to build an entire brand around it. But then the other piece that we haven't talked about yet is you have to have in this modern day where it's all about video, it's all about like extracting like people's attention and connection to you while you're talking in a video. Between stages and video, you absolutely have to become a spokesperson for your brand. You have to be a spokesman, yes. spokeswoman for your brand. And I'm very fortunate in that, yes, I have this neuroscience and psychology and, and, and you know, medicine background. But I've also had great, great training in hosting, in, in stand-up. I was in an improv group for years and years and years. I've had in movement, uh, I've had movement coaches. I've had all sorts of different coaches to work in the entertainment world and uh, storytelling coaches. And these skills are normally seen for entertainers. Hey, you know, learn how to host really well. Learn how to tell a great story. Learn how to act without seeming like you're acting. Learn how to tell jokes. Learn how to, you know, to draw people in. But those are amazing skills in this modern day to to build your brand. They are incredible skills. So when I developed the Mad Genius program specifically, 
I said, okay, I want to help people to incubate an idea. That idea might be a book. It might be a TED Talk. It might be um, building a new company, a startup, an invention, a product, a show, an event, whatever it is. And we're going to over, we're going to work kind of in this personal development slash psychology way of looking at your blocks. We're going to spotlight what your blocks are. You know, there's science to that, utilizing the science in that. And then we're going to focus on unleashing your creative mind. All sorts of exercises I learned in the improv world and, and, and a little bit in the comedy world, but, but how can we unlock your creative power? And you said something like some people don't think they're creative. You're creative. No matter who you are, you're creative. You might, your creativity. Thank you. But you mean other people. Yes. I know. I know it's your friend, your good friend. (laughs) You're not sure if she's creative. I get it. Now you're, you, listen, when you cook, you're creative. When you're, you know, when you're improving and when you're riffing, when, when you're walking a different way home, when you're trying something new, novelty is, is part of creativity. So everyone is creative. Now your creativity might be mostly in hibernation. Um, which is why I help a lot of people to bring it out. Even creative people can be more creative. So we do a lot of work on your creativity to expand your vision. Then we focus on originality and distinction. And I, I created this um, this exercise called your headprint. And your headprint is like it's like your fingerprint of your mind, and it's the culmination of what makes you different, uh, what gives you distinction in this world. And the pre exercise is something I shared a piece of that with your community is called your soul CV. And that's kind of the pre, the, the pre to the head print. And, uh, the soul CV is just, listen, we, we're so intellect dominant. We, we idolize the intellect. It's all about the intellect, the intellect, the intellect, learn, 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 knowledge, 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 research says this, research says that. But what does your soul say? You know, maybe it's because I'm Indian and I have instant spiritual street cred, apparently, or, or, or it's the way I was raised. You know, like I'm very, connected to the fact that we all have this energy and 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 this 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 inner calling that we should listen to and you've got to turn down the volume of the world around us in order you've got to become a gatekeeper of your mind in order to be able to hear the inner wisdom within you Uh, If you're too caught up and emotionally reactive to everything that's happening out there, you're not going to hear what's in here. And, and, And that's, it's guiding you, it's directing you. So we focus on originality and distinction. But then, once kind of we've we've I'm so leaning in I'm like yes I want all of it keep going (laughs) no it gets it gets good here so so uh and and this is something I went through I went through this whole thing so so you're incubating an idea you're incubating you uh, from the creativity originality side overcoming those blocks now you've got to become the spokesperson of your brand the showman show woman of your brand so the first section is on presentation the second section is on performance most people, when they go on stage or they go on video, they're doing a presentation. They've got their notes. It's either, you know, on a screen or they have a teleprompter or, you know, whatever. And, and they, um, they just do a presentation, but they're not doing a performance. You've got to develop performance skills and then you've got to choreograph your performance. And most people don't know how to do that. So, we go through a section called presentation, which is all about storytelling. It's all about connecting, you know, concepts with stories, with feeling states for your audience, with archetypes, with, you know, a whole bunch of things. And then, and then how do you generate, you know, your audience to do something, whether it's to, to sign up for something or an ebook or to buy a course or to become your, your client or whatever, whatever you want them to do. How do you connect that to conceptual learning, experiential learning, and storytelling? So that's part of it. And then the performance training is literally performance training. It's, it's everything that I learned or a lot of the good stuff that I learned as a performer, as an entertainer, brought into this space of business. And it's everything from comedy to vulnerability to pattern interrupts to knowing how to read the room, knowing what to do on video specifically, 
how can you improvise? What are the best ways and tools to do that? How do you choreograph the performance? All that stuff. And then we get to courage. And we have this whole thing on courage. And great. Now you've got your performance skills. You've got your message. You've unleashed your creativity. You've overcome your blocks. Now you need the courage to put yourself out there and to put your ideas out there. So we go through that and then we put it all together in the last module, which is Mad Genius. And that's where we connect everything you've learned to business and to live the life of a mad genius where you're, you're living at your most elevated creativity, originality, and courage. I love that this ended with... Well, we're not done. So I just want you to be clear. We're not ended. Okay. But like, I love how it culminates in this, like, in that you are vulnerable and you are courageous. And really, in my mind, what I was hearing is your most authentic self. We're giving you the tools to express your most authentic self. Because as you were talking about performance and how to use intonation and pause and engage in story and all these things, I can hear people saying, well, this feels inauthentic. But to me, what it is, is that they are tools to make your authentic self accessible to other, other people. Like that, that is how I am interpreting these these pieces and and to make it even well now i'm digging myself into a hole but i was going to say as you were talking but we're going to go there anyway i feel like at the end of the day one of the things that this entire experience creates for some people is like you become a more likable character in alignment with your your brand would that be an accurate way of of putting it yeah, you you definitely are more aligned that's that's the biggest piece and and that's a better word I don't see this as inauthentic. I, I really I don't see it don't. as inauthentic either. I, when people get scared, I feel like they play the it's, it's the not authentic card. When people are scared to raise their prices, it's not authentic. When people are scared to turn on, I'm just going to be honest with everybody right now. When you're like, I don't want to turn on my social media, it's inauthentic. Like that becomes the mindset block that I think holds a ton of people back. Whereas, you know, I had training in theater. I understand these pieces. You make the story, you make the point accessible to people with these uh, these skills and tools. And when I say likable character, it's not to imply you weren't likable before. It's pulling these pieces together in such a way that people are leaning in, wanting to know more. And when you've built something that's incredible that you want to share in the world, you want your audience leaning in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And when when you're devoid of passion in your life. And passion to me is very different than motivation. So your your motivation or your drive, initial drive may be to make money or to be successful or people told you you'd never be good and you're going to prove that wrong and you know whatever it is, that's fine. It's motivation, it's drive. But passion is when you're connected to your soulful energy mm-hmm. and you're expressing yourself fully aligned and what moves you, what deeply moves you, that's passion. And when you can connect that originality to that creativity and power it by courage, now you've got passion. And passion is never inauthentic. Never. You can't fake it. You cannot fake passion. You can't fake it. It's just there. And that's what we do. I mean, if, if I had to summarize this in, in one way, it, it, it's... Yeah, we help you build passion and connect it to your business. It's interesting because I have a, I work with a lot of different people in the health and wellness space. And one of the biggest challenges I, I feel for them, when you talked about this idea of a professional trap, I can feel people wearing that, that cloak as they, as they create things in the online space or they attempt to do things. And often I'll have someone come to me and they will have tried something once or twice and they're like, it's, it's not it's not working. I can't get it to work. And what they're trying to do is they're like, it's exactly all the things that you are unpacking. They've, they've got an offer, which is a reflection of their core belief. They don't have a framework to actually express and explain what that core belief is. And they don't have the tools to lean into the release of the passion for the product. And so at the end of the day, we've got someone who's like, I'm super passionate about this product and no one wants to buy it. And yet they're caught and they're like, clinical, my regulators coming in the back door mode where they, the, the two can't connect. I just feel like what you're doing is connecting those, those two pieces because I have to like the person. Like I have to be compelled mm. by the person 
delivering the product. And if I'm not compelled by the person delivering the product, meh. It doesn't stir me either. I like the way you said um, when you were being the person, you were like, I'm very passionate <laughs> about my business. See, I'm, I'm an actor very too, Rafe. Passionate about my product. Uh, yeah, exactly. And we're going to buy that from you based on that, you know, right. based on that description of what you think of it. Another way to look at this is I've always felt like I'm, I'm a storm chaser uh, in, in my life. And, I, and I'm, I'm not talking about the storms of like tornadoes and earthquakes and hurricanes, although those are cool. I'm talking about the storms of, of the human mind, of the human condition. And God, in the early 2000s, I think I was on CNN or some show about talking about the prescription pill problem that I'm seeing. And just because I've been in the world of, of the human mind for such a long time, I saw between stimulants and benzos and opiates that we were developing as a culture, as a society, this really this dysfunctional relationship to pills. And then uh, in 2004, I talked about the opioid epidemic. And uh, I think I was, I was on Oprah and I, I was talking to her about how these pills and their... Let me just slip that in. I was just on so, Oprah and talking to her. Well, I, I just... When I don't want to take away from the pills, but I also just want to... Yeah. Played. That was well done. She has a platform that a lot of people listen to. Yes. Totally. So, if you want to get a message out there, unless you build your own platform, you know, it, it, it helps to have platforms where you can talk to people. So, you know, she asked me about what's happening with, with opiates. And I go, we're in a total opioid epidemic. And it's not just, you know, experimenting with drugs. Opioids are anxiolytics. They help diminish anxiety as well as take away pain. And people are in so much pain. And it's only getting worse and worse and worse to the point where once we have, you know, counterfeit or, or pills that are, you know, mixed or laced with other, other substances that dealers will use to make cheaper product, this is going to be a huge problem. And it turned into a huge problem. And then the next storm was social media and its effects on the mind. You know, whether you're looking at validation seeking or, or you're looking at FOMO or comparison or depression, anxiety, stress, and all the things associated with it, that was a huge problem from a mental health perspective. And now the problem is, is people are unexpressed and un uninspired. And, and when I talk about expression, I don't mean like outwardly tattoos or, you know, a bunch of tattoos or piercings or this or that or whatever you do externally frustration, you know, like, like that, that's not the expression I'm talking about. I'm talking about expressing the deeper inner you. And when you're not expressed, when you don't have a point of view, what are you going to do? You're going to get caught up in a lot of drama, celebrity conflicts, like news. <laughs> um, what do you mean? What do you mean? Um, overstimulation, you're going to get suckered into buying things you don't want to buy, you're going to be influenced by corporate, you're, you're going to fall into escapism behaviors, avoidance behaviors, you're going to self-sabotage, you're going to do all that stuff because you haven't connected to and, and expressed who you are as an individual in this world. And, and to me, that is the biggest problem. This is the storm that we are entering. And people are going to have more and more challenges in their life and feel more uninspired and unrecognized and feel invisible because they haven't done this. This is your, like, this is it. You found your, you found your mission, didn't you? Yeah. I mean, I felt it. it it's not, it's, it's not that I just see it in other people. I felt it. And I said, I can't feel like this anymore. I do not want to feel this pain anymore. I need to do something about it. And, and that's why I created the program for me. And now I'm sharing it with other people. And I just hope more and more people kind of find who they are. That's it. It's just finding who you are in the most authentic, real space. And I talk a lot about this concept of purpose. And people say, well, how do you find purpose, Megan? And I'm like, well, I can tell you. There's like, there's four steps to find it. But the challenge is, is that most people aren't willing to do the two prerequisites required before you do the the four steps. And the two prerequisites are one, you have to create time to do it. If you don't have any wiggle room in your schedule, if you're like soccer momming all over the place and launching new podcasts and working on your book and doing these things, like you have to actually create space to do it. 
And then the second prerequisite is you have to believe you're worth it. That's where the work is. The work is not in finding a purpose. The work is in that self-validation piece. And I feel like you are saying, you're saying the same thing. We all have this opportunity to actually be our own authentic self, to like step in and deliver it to the world. But we've got to first start and believe that we are worth it. Yeah. And I'll add to that. Believing you're worth it also means believing that you have distinction. Believing that you are different than other people, have your own unique journey in this world, and that you have something to say. If you don't feel you have something to say, if you don't feel you're distinct, if you don't feel that you have differentiation or you're original, then you're not going to believe it. You're not going to believe you're worthy. So, it's a huge part of this. And I, I, I will just say for all my people with credentials, and I don't know how you felt about this, but... A lot of people have asked me, how the heck did you inactivate your license? Like, how did you do that? And I'm going to be honest, it wasn't difficult for me. I did work, but like, it wasn't difficult for me to step away from that component of my identity because the doctor in front of my name was just a feature of my experience, but it wasn't the only part of who I was. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't where I, I got my day-to-day validation. I didn't need it to be me. And I feel like so much of what you're talking about is how do we step beyond our identity as our scholarly credentials and step into who we are? How does that just become a facet of the journey and not the whole shebang, as it were? And it was it was massive for me in unlocking my own creativity, in realizing that I am not just a naturopathic doctor, because all these people say to me, well, how am I different than any other ND? Or how am I different than any other functional Mm -hmm. medicine doc? And I was like, no one cares about that credential to start with. That's just like a function of the journey for you. Like, if that's where we're starting from, and if that's the piece where we're always looking into the box. What I love about your story, Reef, is that, you know, maybe it's because I just relate to someone else with a doctor in front of their name who was willing to say, I'm, I'm interested in, in walking another path. But you're asking people to say, yes, you are a doctor or yes, you are an accountant or yes, you are a lawyer and you are so much more. Let's unpack so much more. So here's what I want to know. I know, I know you thought it was going to be a question, but I'm, I'm going to give you a question here. I have these things. I call them my impact ingredients. Ooh, you've thrown in the title. Okay, uh-huh. nice. I know. It's got alliteration, which it's naturally exciting. makes it strong. Except the intention is that these were going to be like rapid fire. And then what I've realized is the nature of the question doesn't make them rapid fire at all. So now I just, I just randomly pull and select from the list. But here's what I want to know from you. What is your biggest non-negotiable in life? Inflexibility. My biggest non-negotiable is like having this very concrete view on how the world works and my place in it. I like that. What's your most important failure? See, these are not rapid fire. No, okay. I'll, work, I'll work on it. I'll um, work no, on I got, it. I got it. I had a television pilot called the Doctor Reef Show that was coming out potentially around the same time as Dr. Oz. It was a a daytime talk show pilot and it was supposed to go, it was all set to go and then it didn't go. And I made a lot of sacrifices in my views on the world to do that show. I just, I couldn't express who I was on the show. The show was pretty, you know, if, if you know television, it was highly produced and that highly produced nature was couldn't be myself. I didn't even know what the heck was happening behind the scenes. I was like a, you know, just this person you put out there, but they didn't really have a voice. I had no voice, let alone a point of view. And I was so caught up with, I mean, to be honest, like other people's views of success and that that would be highly successful. Have your own show your own show that has your name on it. Wow. I was so caught up in that, that I didn't realize the sacrifices that I was making in my soul to to live for other people and to be a version of what other people wanted instead of who I am. And so, when the show didn't go, I was crushed for like a year. And then I slowly kind of came out of it and learned wow, man, I made some huge, huge, deep sacrifices to do that. And 
it it was my wake up call to make me realize that well if you've lived your life this far for other people and being what other people want you to be well then who are you underneath that who 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 is this person outside of the billboard heading who who are you and that began the whole investigation into you know, what is my originality? What is my distinction? What is my soulful experience on this planet? What is your unwavering health commitment? Man, these things keep going. Unwavering. 50 of them, so settle in. Jesus. Unwavering health commitment. I want to do something physically active that challenges my body and gives me more body awareness every single day. That could be dancing. It could be working out. It could be, you know, whatever. But I want to do that every single day. Believe it or not. Last question for you, Reef. Whew. I know. Entrepreneurism. Born this way or do we learn to become entrepreneurs? I think... The entrepreneur mentality anyone is capable of getting. Anyone is capable of, of inhabiting, embodying that entrepreneur spirit. It's shut off for a lot of people, but the thing that wakes it up is insight and pain. If you have the vision to see something in your future, something ahead of you, which comes from creativity you can develop the entrepreneurism. If you have enough pain driving you toward something that will diminish the pain, you can develop entrepreneurism. And, and I feel like uh, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a spirit within any of us. Master of Madness, Reef Kareem, where can we send people to learn more about everything you are up to and follow along on your crazy journey? A crazy journey. I like that. Um, a couple of things. First off, I think clarity is an important, such an important thing and a, an important starting point for a lot of people. So you could download a free guide about mental clarity and it's called getmentalclarity.com. Getmentalclarity.com. The biggest thing I'm doing right now is uh, I'm doing an incubator called the Mad Genius Incubator. And you incubate an idea, like I said, a book, a TED Talk, a company, um, a show, an event. You incubate an idea and you incubate yourself. And the teachings that we've talked about today, and, and there's so much more, um, are all in this incubator program. So I would look at that if anybody's interested in that. It's, uh, it's at madgeniusincubator.com, madgeniusincubator.com. We take a small number of people. It's a 60-day program. It's, it's a life-changing program because it was life-changing for me going through it. And then I shared it with a number of people who have had huge, huge gains from it. And it's exciting to see people transform kind of before our eyes um, as we do it. And then um, look out for... I've got, a, I've got a variety show coming out in the fall. And uh, yeah, you know, if you... My my partner, I have a I have a young baby too, and 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 I have a my partner is a twenty five time world champion salsa dancer, and I have a background in swing dancing. I've I've done it for a long, long time, and I dress like Elvis, and I drive an old car, and this is what I do for fun in my uh, when I'm not doing podcasts. <laughs> Yeah, so so dance movement is a big part of of what I do in live events and in shows. So I figure a variety show. There'd be some comedy, there'll be some experts, there'll be some comics, we'll do some little dance, we'll we'll have fun. So that's what we're doing. Well, if you ever need a non-dancing guest, I'm just kidding. We we will watch out for that uh, in the fall. All of the links, all the cool things, and eventually the variety show, you'll be able to find them in our show notes at meganwalker.com forward slash podcast. Reef, thanks so much for hanging out with me today. Thank you. And last thing I'll say is, man, you get it. Like you, you get what it's like to the, the, the backstory of what you need for impact. And I feel like, you know, it took me a while in my journey to, to get to a place where I understood like what it took 
to, to generate impact and really feel inspired in life. And it's really nice to just be interviewed by somebody who I feel, you know, has the same and, and, and is at the same place in their journey. So, you know, thank you for the opportunity to speak to your audience. Aw, thank you, friend. I appreciate that. Impact is what lives on when we leave the room, tuck them in, or step off stage. It is less about what you do, more about how you make them feel, and everything about how you choose to show up in the world. If you enjoyed this podcast, hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you are listening to this episode. I am your host, Megan Walker. Until next week, aim for impact.